Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Uh, you want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job, not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me. At 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. How do you explain today's incredible action with the Dow surging 555 points? Ah. S&P soaring 1.78%. NASDAQ pole voting 1.85%. Wasn't the election supposed to freak people out? But the opposite happened. Ah. We ended up with a bizarrely bullish session where both the Biden stocks and the Trump stocks rallied. Obviously, both candidates can't win, right? So what drives this kind of counterintuitive move? First off, after the most rancorous campaign of my lifetime, people are just, I think the relief is going to be over. The contest itself has taken a real toll on business, though. Soon that's over, too. I speak to tons of CEOs and money managers off on camera. They can't be sure of their next move until they find out who'll be president. Candidly, and none of them has been able to articulate why it matters so much. The big differences between Trump and Biden are on social issues not economic ones. I think for these CEOs, the end of the campaign means the end of the viciousness, end of the embarrassment, end of the anger. Trump, hate him or like him, he is the most deliberately polarizing candidate I can remember. He does make Nixon look like a bit of a choir boy, something that clearly appeals to a lot of people. That's okay. Once the race is finally over, there's an assumption that maybe some of the tension will be dialed back regardless of who wins. In other words, Maybe America can finally chill out starting tomorrow, or at least this week. Second, there's a newfound and perhaps naive consensus that our democracy is stronger than partisan rancor. Wouldn't that be something? Meaning we may actually have an orderly transfer of power if uh, Joe Biden wins. Or if you want to be more cynical, a lot of buyers believe Biden will win so decisively that we'll be able to call the race early and go to bed by midnight. I, on the other hand, have no idea whatsoever what will occur and have said over and over and over again since 2016, you have to base your investment decisions on the hand you've been given, not the one you anticipate when it comes to presidential elections. Third and most important, this market can roar because it's already been bent, spindled and mutilated. Last week, we got hit with a more than 5% decline, and that week, this was heavily concentrated in the big winners, including the ones that had just reported fantastic quarters. Very depressing for growth investors. Remember, Apple reported a much better than expected number, yet it's not got clobbered anyway. Microsoft gave you a picture-perfect beat. Stock got slammed. I still can't believe that Amazon got taken apart into a, a magnificent upside surprise. But the analysts didn't want to hear about big COVID costs, even though Facebook's practically printing money 
We heard more about potential regulations than actual earnings per share. AMD delivered arguably the best quarter of the year. The stock got hammered. Why? Because they decided to make a major acquisition. Of the big tech names, only Alphabet was able to rally because they were a lot more transparent about their, the strength of their underlying businesses, including Google, YouTube, and Google Cloud Services. In short, it was a truly awful week where any negativity was magnified by the widespread desire to get out of stocks before election day. So many people tried to front-run that sell-off that it happened a week ahead of schedule. When they came in yesterday and everything was fine, they said, oh, I guess we got to start buying them back in over fist, and that continued today. Fourth reason for the rally. Once the election's behind us, pretty much everybody presumes that Congress will pass some kind of stimulus package, maybe later this month, maybe in January. Both parties are committed to pumping at least a trillion bucks into the economy, perhaps uh, targeted businesses that will have to close. And there we're thinking, yes, this is that limited close bars, restaurants and gyms. Stimulus also means different strokes for different spokes. The heavy machinery stocks roared off the possibility of an infrastructure bill. I got to tell you, I hope springs eternal for the shovel ready. I'm skeptical because these projects take forever. But it makes sense as a trade always has, always will. Fifth positive, even as COVID cases spike, there is a recognition that the economy, the real economy, is actually getting stronger. Remember Lace, uh, Jim Fisher, Center for Waste Management? Getting stronger. Housing keeps getting boosted by low interest rates and city dwellers fleeing to the suburbs. If you have to be stuck at home, you might as well live in a big house rather than a tiny apartment. We're also seeing lots of remodeling as people set up home offices and outdoor kitchens where you can safely entertain your friends. Remember last night, uh, Ms. Rendell talking about Clorox, Kingsford's outside. Now that the next wave is indeed upon us, we're seeing a surge of auto sales. It started with used cars. Uh, that's at Carvana and, and also uh, Lithia. But as an inventory runs off, new cars are selling, too. Now, there's so much demand that I feel confident recommending first Ford last week. It took my life, man, that's working. And now General Motors, two stocks that seem like value traps, traps not that long ago. But if you move to the suburbs, you need a car to get around. Don't forget, the auto industry was shut down for a couple of months, so there's no big inventory bolts that needs to be worked off, as there often is at this time of year. Plus, the strength of the autos trickles down to everything from steel to plastic to the railroads. Did you see those? Now, seemingly out of nowhere, we're getting a pickup in industrial demand. Witness yesterday's terrific PMI number. I think it's possible we really are having a V-shaped recovery of sorts, although who knows if we can keep it the, as the pandemic spirals out of control again. And I don't mean to be harsh to the people who are losing their job because a V-shaped recovery sounds like everybody's benefiting, and they're not. Finally, let me give you the oddest reason of all for today's run. As we approach the end of President Trump's first and possibly only term, I'm struck by the fact that there simply aren't many Trump stocks. Man, I put this button on four years ago. You know that? Trump stock. Trump stock. Oh, hey. Oh, yeah. Hold on. No, just I got one. Nucor. I was actually wearing the helmet earlier today. Um, the Nucor, the big steel maker, that kind of boost from the president's tariffs on Chinese dumping. Even with the tariffs, Nucor hasn't been a great performer. Without that, it's been much worse, though. But if Biden wins, okay, listen, while Wall Street generally likes Trump, there's one thing it hates, and that's that trade war with China. Of course, I'm in favor, but so what? We have so many big companies that will be showered with Chinese orders if Biden wins. I mean, think about it. It's fabulous news for 3M. Oh, it's so good for Nike, Caterpillar. Oh, boy, Boeing, Starbucks, and especially Apple, all of which will breathe a sigh of relief. Unlike Trump, Biden's more pro-immigration. More immigrants means more demand for housing and retail. Higher population, higher GDP. Now, the big exception here is taxes. Trump's tied to lower corporate tax rates. That's been fabulous for the stock market. Biden wants to roll these back and raise individual taxes on high earners. So if Biden wins tonight, that might put some short-term pressure on the market. But from the market's perspective, a tax hike is a one-off thing. You bake it in, then you move on. If Trump wins, we get the status quo. 
and the status quo has been pretty darn good for stocks. Both could lead to sell-offs. Both sell-offs, they need to be bought. The bottom line. I know everybody's worked up about the election, but today the stock market said, don't worry, be happy. Whether it's Trump or Biden, your portfolio is going to be all right. And if we get clobbered by some electoral delay or any other reason, I'm telling you right now, I want you to be prepared to do some buying. Jason in California. Jason. Hi, Jim. I have a question about Uber and Lyft. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the California voting on uh, Section 22 tomorrow, how do you see Uber and Lyft in 2021? And also, do you still believe in Fang Yu for 2021? Well, look, I, I, all I can tell you is this, is that we, you know, 24 hours from now, we're going to know a lot more than we know now. So I think it would be uh, the kind of thing that we, would just be ill-advised for me to opine on something that we will know uh, because it will change things dramatically because I don't think either company's business model can survive under a true employment issue, like what that ballot issue would be if it went against those two companies. How about we go to Chris in Texas, please? Chris. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. First, wanted to wish my wonderful wife a happy birthday this week. Oh, definitely. Jim, to your wife as well. I think she has a birthday this week. I'm sorry, which one? Uh, and I said, I, to your wife as well, I think she has a birthday oh, this week. Oh, yeah, she, yeah, she, yeah, she returned 35. Man, she's on. Wow. She told and me my, to say that. My wife as well. All right. Yeah. Well, my question, I'm a teacher, and on an episode last week, you said to listen to our children for exciting stuff. Yes. Um, all of my students are playing the online game Among Us. Even Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is playing. While the while the developer, Intersloth, is a small private developer, the game uses a platform or game engine, Unity Software, symbol U. You and I are in the exact, is, you know that you and I are in the exact same break? Ben, this is what my daughter told me about, too. Said this is very for real. I have liked it. I like Unity a lot, actually. I like, Snowf- I like Snowflake, too. I am conscious that these are incredibly expensive stocks, Tony. But remember, I always encourage one or two informed speculations in a, in a portfolio, and Unity is a real good one. And yes, listen to your kids. That's Chris. Listen to your kids. Let's go to Tony in North Carolina. Tony. What's up, Jim? How you doing? Oh, man, it's just a great day. Great day at the office. Whole team is uh, there. Fantastic. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, my pleasure. Okay. Uh, with the company I'm, uh, I'm picking up little by little, with company earnings coming up next week, and they're expanding footprint in the industry, and of course the election. What are your, what are your thoughts on growth generation? I want to see how many states uh, approve marijuana. I typically want to see what happens in New Jersey. I know that there's a heavy short base in this. When they report, the shorts will try to knock it down immediately, as they did with Bed Bath & Beyond. Be ready for that. I do think, remember, the stock is up gigantically this year, but and it is a roll-up. They just bought the third, one of the largest single one of the hydroponics. This is the Home Depot for cannabis. Let's see what they have to say, and I'm going to Craig in New York. Craig! I have a significant position in American Tower. You do. Should I keep it there or diversify some of I it? I want you to cut you- some of that. Now, I'm going to be very critical about this. The guy who got us to American Tower, the guy who made us about 250 points, is a man by the name of Jim Takelin. Jim now runs Lockheed Martin. Cut that position in half. We don't know enough about the new CEO, and you're up very, very big. Wouldn't it be horrible to lose that game? 
And Jim Tankliff, by the way, Lockheed, I think he's going to turn it around. That last quarter was not that perfect, just so you know. All right, if this election is making you nervous, believe me, you're not alone. But today the market said, hey, don't worry. Now, look, your portfolio is going to be okay either way. We will help you through this. Well, man, money tonight, election night is here. But the unknowns, they haven't dissipated. I'm going off the charts to find out what to buy if you want to protect yourself against any sort of economic unrest. And believe me, it's very similar to the previous show to what we were on here tonight. A lot of, a lot of similarities. Then the market hung on to a rally ahead of tonight's historical action. I'm getting a preview of tonight's coverage. Your money, your vote with Shep Smith. And Thermo Fisher, we'll talk about 240% since Donald Trump took office. I'm going to talk the, the power of American innovation with the company's amazing CEO. And it's great devices. So I would stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere, you can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. After a surprisingly strong session, and many thought Election Day would be brutal, but maybe we got the pain out of the way last week. Why don't we talk about the future? That's what matters. Some things are unavoidable. They're, they're coming regardless of who wins tonight. 
For instance, we know the COVID cases keep spiking. We had 93,000 new infections just yesterday. And as hospitals across the country start running out of beds, and it is happening, it's not a political issue, I think that's going to have a chilling effect on any business that needs people to show up in person. Uh, That's especially true if schools need to be shut down, forcing some parents to miss work. Now, we also know that there will be another major stimulus package after the election. The Democrats may want more spending than the Republicans. But even with a smaller bailout package, we're still dealing with an additional trillion dollars of government borrowing potentially much more. I'm betting we hear a lot more hand-wringing about the deficit, possibly as soon as tomorrow. There will also be endless jeremiads about how all this deficit spending is dangerously inflationary. So what do you do? What do you buy if you want some insurance against inflation or just general economic chaos? It's time-honored. You need some gold. That's why tonight we're going off the charts with the help of Carolyn Baroden. She's that brilliant technician who runs the FibonacciQueen.com website. She also happens to be one of my colleagues at RealMoney.com. We've got to get a better sense of the precious metal that I know so many of you are interested in. Now, after spending just years in purgatory, well, look at that. This is yeah, incredible. Gold prices have rocketed higher over the past 12 months, although they pulled back a bit from their highs. Those were from early August. Check out the weekly chart of the continuous gold futures. Even after the recent decline, Broden points out that gold remains in a longer-term uptrend. That is pretty beautiful, I have to tell you. Uh, that's a, what is that called? That's a pattern of higher highs and higher lows. Notice he doesn't take out that last low. That's exactly what you want to see in the chart. More importantly, when she looks at past declines going back to 2013, she sees this pattern. It's what's known as symmetry. That's what she looks for. Many of these declines have been very similar in size, taking gold down from 235, uh, 262. When Broden ran 100% projections of these previous swings, they suggested that the precious metal could find a bottom somewhere between 1,827 and 1853. Well, sure enough, (laughs) that's about where gold has repeatedly found a floor of support over the last couple of months. It's pretty incredible. Right now, it's over $1,900, all right? That's up roughly 50 bucks from September lows. As long as gold holds above that level, Broden believes the long-term uptrend remains intact, meaning it can resume its long march higher. How much higher? Look, based on Fibonacci methodology, she thinks it's going to take out 2153. Um, That's roughly 13% from where the shiny stuff is currently trading. I want that money. I hope you do, too. Again, that only works if gold holds above the mid-1800s, which I think it will. That said... Broden's pretty confident that gold has already bottomed because of what she sees in the daily chart. So let's take a look at the daily chart. That was the weekly. So we go to the daily. And what we're going to see is last week, the precious metal, uh, it pulled back and retested the September lows. Okay, so, I mean, that's, you know, we saw that this very quick pullback. The lows held, and now gold's bouncing around again. More importantly, though, you've got gold. Remember how Broden operates. She looks at past swings in a given security. Then she runs them through that rubric of Fibonacci ratios, a series of numbers that repeat over and over again in nature, like the flowers, pine cones, snail shells. The result, Fibonacci Queen gets a series of critical prices or critical dates where a stock or commodity or an index is likely to change its trajectory. For gold, Broden saw a cluster of Fibonacci timing cycles that predicted an important low in October. This is the important low, uh, October 29th to 30th. Sure enough, the actual low came in on the 29th. So there's a good chance that that was the turning point. She has been so spot on in this. That's why we're spending time on it. Now, what would make her even more bullish? Okay, Broden wants to see gold take out some key resistance levels. There's one up a few points from here at 1910. 
It's kind of interesting level. Uh, another one, these are very tight here. 1919, 1922. Clearly, these two hurdles, along with the October high at 1939, if, if she gets beyond those, I mean, it's going to be really smooth sailing. As long as the precious metal hangs in above the mid-1800s, call her a buyer. I think she's going to be dead right. You know how much I like gold here. Now, here's the bottom line. The charts, as interpreted by Carolyn Broden, suggest that gold prices could have a lot more room to run, okay? And that currently fits with the current backdrop that we see in the news. So if you don't already own some, perhaps it's time right now to pick up some bullion or maybe some GLD, the ETF, or maybe some shares in Kramer fave Barrick Gold. Let's go to Thomas in Virginia. Thomas. Hey, Jim. Booyah. Booyah, Thomas. What's going on? First time caller. Mm -hmm. Listen, uh, LAC, Lithium America, they mine uh, lithium for the ion batteries for Tesla, General Motors, Ford. Yes. Uh, Is it goodbye or should I just. No, no, it's too dicey. Now, I know I was reading last night about hydrogen. I read about hydrogen every night. And I know that uh, that Elon Musk does not care for hydrogen. Uh, I hate to ever be on the other side of his trade, but I think I like both hydrogen and I like his batteries. Uh, plug power guys don't get too carried away. I mean, like, I obviously like it, but I do believe that hydrogen is the fuel of the future because of how much natural gas we have. And remember, that's green hydrogen, okay? Matthew in California. Matthew. Hey, Mr. Craver. How are you doing? My dad I'm and I good. are huge fans of the show. Thank you. Yeah, so my question is, I'm a senior at UC Berkeley with only a basic understanding of investments, and so when I enter the workforce next year, how much energy and time should I actually spend each day or each week focusing and managing my savings and investments in the market? Well, look, if you have the time and you have the inclination, I want you to spend, I actually want you to do a lot. I want you to get comfortable. I want you to start with paper trading. Uh, I want you to put all your initially until you get to $10,000. I want that to be in index funds. And I want you to get confident. I don't want you to be in too many uh, speculative stocks. I want you to find a fine, uh, fine group of growth stocks. You're too young to be owning value. Uh, don't worry about the dividends so much as trying to get growth and some speculation after you've gotten $10,000 into a S&P index fund. All right. And congratulations. I think that's terrific. Berkeley. Cow. Charts suggest gold's going higher, people, and you know how much I like it. You know I think you should have some bullion or some GLD. Or, or yes, you can buy that, uh, buy some Barrett gold. I mean, they, Mark Bristow's doing a great job there. Okay, now, there's much more mad money ahead, including my exclusive with Thermo Fisher. Oh, boy. The company's essential in the fight against COVID-19. So what does the election outcome mean for the stock? This may be the finest company in America right now. We're going to speak to the CEO. And then I'm revealing the five biggest misconceptions that spring from presidential elections and the stocks you should look at right now. But first, as polls begin to close in the coming hours, I'm getting a preview of CNBC's election night coverage. Your money, your vote with Shepard Smith. So stay with Kramer. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
all eyes on the election tonight, and CBC's got you covered on all angles. So what should you be focused on as polls begin to close in the coming hours? Here to break it all down, very exciting, is our own Shepard Smith, who hosts CNBC's special election coverage starting at 7 p.m. Eastern tonight. Shep, good Fra- to have you on the show. Kramer, it's like the Super Bowl. <laughs> it is. It is our Super Bowl, and it's certainly yours, yours Captain. So uh, let me ask you right straight away. Um, where should we get the earliest indications? What should we be looking for? I know it's going to be a very short time to give us an indication of what might happen tonight. Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Ohio. All four of those close in the first hour. So between 7 o'clock Eastern and 8 o'clock Eastern time, all of those will close. And if Biden gets any one of those four, any one of them, that could be a knockout punch. Because there are three states across the top that, that Trump has to get one of to stay in the game. And if he can get one of those four states, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, and Ohio, that could be game over. Florida's going to take a little while because Florida's always close. But they had nine million early votes. So the lines in Broward County that we usually have haven't really been there today. Georgia had an enormous amount of early vote, too. And the anecdotal evidence is that lots of African-American turnout. You know, Georgia is now seems to be go around these nine counties that surround Atlanta. That's where it's upwardly mobile. It's more diverse and, and, and more educated. And that's a spot that if that those numbers come out very large, Georgia could swing to the left. So those are the kinds of things that could, could make change in America. Well, what I'm hearing, Shep, is that maybe uh, many of us are too focused on my home state, Pennsylvania. And it may not even, is it possible it might not matter? Well, it's possible that it won't matter, but it's also possible that everything could come down to Pennsylvania. And, and you know the rules there because of the way they set them up. Yeah. They won't even start counting some of those votes until tomorrow. We may not know definitively until Friday. But the chances are, because the path for Donald Trump is so slim, if he gets past all these other obstacles, it could very well come down to Pennsylvania, and then it could be a legal slugfest. Well, let me ask you something just to go back to the South again. I lived in Tallahassee, Florida, and that was about as conservative as I've ever seen. Are they late voters? In other words, could they make it so that we shouldn't be too hasty about what happens in Florida? I don't think so. And, you know, with Florida, the farther south south you go in Florida, the farther north you really are in the way people roll. (laughs) So that that panhandle area from Pensacola, Escambia, Okaloosa, Walton Bay counties in the panhandle, that's traditionally all red. Then in South Florida, the Palm Beaches, Broward, Miami-Dade, that, that's, largely, that's largely a blue area. And then we always talk about that I-4 corridor is sort of, you know, deciding what Florida's going to do because it's, it's sort of suburban, it's, it's largely white, it's sort of middle class. Right. That part of Florida has changed, and it's been changing, and it's much changed now. And, and that's not a, a solidly red segment anymore. Well, look, I can't wait to listen to you. I will also join you a bit. Yes. I love you on the network. You are doing an amazing job. And we have got some unbelievable coverage with you. 7 p.m. starting. Shepard Smith, I'll be joining you. Listen up, America. It's been a wild time. Can't wait to see Shep. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you then. All right, buddy. But in the meantime, we're going to open up the phone lines. Let's go to Jim in California. Jim. Jimbo. Yes. Hey. I find myself in a bit of a fix because of you and your show. What that be? I've been listening and learning for quite a few years, and because of your recommendations and your investment rule of no individual holding over 20% of your portfolio, I have this year repeatedly sold several stocks, and now I'm looking at big capital gains, yep. and therefore a big jump in my tax bracket. All right. Two quick questions and a remark. 
is there any strategy to deal with this now? I've already sold everything I held that have a loss, capital gains. Number two, the future. What do I do to, to avoid this? Okay, look, just- it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big portfolio issue, and I came up with someone I was talking to this weekend who just had a monster holding an apple, thanked me for that. And I said, look, I think that it's important that you recognize portfolio discipline. I think you've done all the selling that you need to do, but understand that you didn't do wrong. I mean, can you imagine if the market went down big? Now, you can say it never did, Jim. But I would come back and say the discipline always trumps conviction. You did the right thing. Now you can hold on. The market comes down. Maybe you start the train all over again. All aboard. Christopher in California. Christopher. Hey, Jim. Hope you're doing well. Doing okay. How about you? Very good. Thank you. I think the near-term FDA approval for a COVID vaccine could be a greater market catalyst than the outcome of the presidential election. What are your thoughts and how can investors hedge their positions? Well, I mean, there's so many different companies that are doing it. Um, And I I, look, I'm quite confident in in science. I know that I was mocked in The New York Times for being confident in science. I'm confident in the people who are really smart in those classes that we decide not to take. I think that you're just going to have to roll with the punches, though, in this one. I don't think you're going to see anything uh, uh, beyond the first quarter. And the reason is because unless you're in one of these areas that's a hot spot, I mean, if you get if you're in the vaccine, in the trials here in New York, you're going to have to be hard pressed to find COVID. There's other areas where there's nothing but COVID, but those people don't seem to want to be a uh, part of that. I don't blame them. But anyway, we've got some time. First quarter. Uh, Alexia, New Jersey. Alexia. Hello. Thanks for all you do for the individual investor. Oh, uh, thank you, Alexia. For an elderly family member who lives with us, thank you for advocating math so diligently. You bet, man. I am unstoppable on that issue. Unstoppable. <laughs> I will not it's be stopped. Awesome. Thank you. Our question is about Teladoc. You were very bullish on their merger with Livongo. But sure. since the earnings report, the stock seems to have lost its mojo. Are all systems still bye-bye-bye with Teladoc? Look, I think the combination is fabulous. I think it's going to become the new United Health. It's going to become the fin tech of healthcare. And because of that, I think we often just say, you know what, we're going to take some short-term pain. The fintech of healthcare, after what we've seen with the fintech of, of banks, uh, it, it, it's, it, we got we to be low. We have to be long it. And I think you just take your time and do it right. Democrat, Republican, Independent. We're all Kramerans here. So stick with Kramer. As the most acrimonious election living memory comes to it, and I don't want to lose sight of the fact that we still do great things in this country. I want you to look at Thermo Fisher Scientific. That's a Massachusetts-based company that we've loved for so long. It's the world's leading maker of life sciences instruments and lab equipment. When the pandemic first hit, Thermo Fisher stepped up. They've created COVID-19 tests, supplied government agencies, given researchers priority access to all sorts of equipment, and it's really paid off. A couple of weeks ago, the company reported a spectacular quarter. We're talking a monster $1.30 earnings beat off of $4.33 basis, 34% organic growth. This was maybe, uh, they already pre-announced and they beat the pre-announcement. This longtime Kramer fave has been a big winner under both Democratic and Republican presidents. I bet it keeps winning. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with Mark Casper, the chairman, president, and CEO of Thermo Fisher. Get a better sense of where his company's headed. Mr. Casper, welcome back to Bad Money. Jim, thanks for having me back. It's great to be here. Mark, I want to thank you. I I can't speak on behalf of the American people, but I can speak as someone who follows companies 
You've done more to try to stop this than anyone in our country. And that's not just including including the politicians. And it's done a remarkable job. You are PCR. You are the gold standard. Can you explain to people how you took a machine that you already had, adapted it, and created something that has really saved many tens of thousands of lives? So, Jim, you know, our role has been to support governments, hospitals, doctors around the world to fight the pandemic. And as the largest of the life science tools and diagnostics companies, we took our PCR uh, instrument, which is used for telling you whether you have a virus, and rapidly scaled up the test kits so that we could supply the United States in a very dramatic way so that people would have the information they needed to know whether or not somebody had the virus. It's a rather remarkable ramp up. And we're talking about in March of 2020, you had capacity to do 5,000 tests per week. I mean, we're now talking about 20,000 tests per week. And your most recent, when you talk about uh, the different combo kits you have, and uh, I I think you're going to be even doing more than that, correct? Yes, Jim, when you think about the the capabilities, we actually have the capacity to produce 20 million tests a week. It's an astonishing number. And the numbers you're quoting are actually the instrumentation that we sell right. to support the labs around the world. But, you know, if you think about since the pandemic has happened, we supported more than 100 million PCR tests to tell a doctor whether somebody has the virus or not. It's been an amazing ramp up from literally no revenue, uh, no sales in beginning of March to that type of scale. How are you able to, but how are you able to do 20 million tests per week? Where are these machines? So the the instruments um, are across laboratories in the United States, uh, uh, the major players, uh, the reference labs, hospitals, and you would find uh, them across the world. And what we're selling that 20 million is the kits that you run on the instruments uh, to say whether or not somebody has the virus. Now, you've also got a new pool test that I think would be ideal for situations where there's not that many people who may have it. So you don't have to do individual tests for everyone. Yeah, so in this case, what you do is you pool samples, and that way you look, if there's a positive, then you can do a retest to figure out who actually has positive, and if they're all negative, uh, then you don't. And what it really tells you is PCR is the gold standard because it can detect very, very minute amounts of the virus in the sample and give uh, the medical community that information that they need. Now, you do an antigen turnaround, but in your most recent documents, I saw a turnaround, a PCR machine that might be able to turn around very quickly. What is the hope in terms of being able to have the, the, the holy grail, which was fast turn and uh, almost 100% accurate, which is what the PCR is now? Yeah, so in this case, we just launched a product called Amplitude. It's the highest volume instrument for running PCR tests. And what it really does is labs can do about 8,000 tests a day on a single instrument platform. And that allows them to be able to give very rapid turnaround time on those PCR tests. And you get the gold standard results, but you can get it very quick. All right, that's, this is what confused me. Who can possibly do 8,000 tests a day? Don't you need like 25, 30, 40 uh, clinicians? No, actually, it's incredibly automated so that really with just a couple technicians, you can actually do that. Um, at a time. So that's really the beauty of the system, because as you know, there's been so much uh, testing going on, labor availability, the workflow, all of those things get very complicated. We've simplified it in a very significant way. You also have, uh, and you did have this in great investment day. And one of the things that I saw on the investment day was that you work with all of the companies that are doing vaccines, Novavax, Moderna, Janssen, GSK, AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Curex. You are in a position without necessarily betting on a particular horse or putting one out to be able to give me some comfort and the rest of America. Are some of these guys going to come through and save us? 
So, Jim, we're involved in 250 different projects, both therapies and vaccines. And we're actually involved in two different ways, providing the technologies to make those products and then ultimately using our manufacturing network for pharmaceuticals, over 40 factories, to produce whichever ones are successful clinically. Based on what we hear and see with our customers, there's a lot of optimism about what's going on in the pipeline. But, of course, that's going to be up to the regulators ultimately. Yeah, I, I don't want to believe sight. I mean, it is mad money. I mean, the numbers here are just extraordinary. The growth that you had. I mean, you did in the first quarter before pandemic, uh, delivered 2% organic growth, 5% growth in adjusted EPS. By Q2, you're delivering 11% organic growth, 28% growth in adjusted EPS. And it just gets keep, keep keeping better and getting better and better and better. I've described to people that this is not something that's going to fall off a cliff, that sadly, we're going to be doing this maybe the rest of our lives. So, Jim, the results that we've delivered is a testament to the team, 80,000 remarkable colleagues that I'm so uh, grateful for their efforts to respond to the pandemic. We see our position to be long-lasting because the capacity that we've expanded, you know, about $800 million in additional investments, that's going to get repurposed after COVID for other applications so that, you know, effectively we'll transition from the big COVID response to supporting other pharmaceuticals, our instruments that will be used in the, in the diagnostic labs will be used for other testing as well. So we think the pandemic, unfortunately, is going to be with us a bit longer. Um, we'll be there to help our customers uh, attack that virus. And then when that subsides, uh, we'll help our customers make the world healthier, cleaner and safer. Excellent. Now, the last question. It's election night. Do you expect any, is there any when it comes to saving lives and using your equipment, Biden administration, Trump administration, does it matter? It's our job to support whichever administration. We've had good collaboration with the current administration, with Congress, and uh, we look forward to supporting the government going forward to help combat um, a really challenging environment. Well, you've done an amazing job. The percentages of of how well you have done versus the S&P. I'm talking about a cool 1,580% versus 135% for the S&P. Mark Casper, thank you for doing everything for your shareholders and for the country. Great to see you, sir. Thanks, Jim, for having me. Thermo Fisher, Chairman, President, CEO, uh, Mark Fisher. I got I, Mark Casper. I got to tell you, Mark, I've known Mark for a long time. Uh, I cannot believe what he's accomplished. And I, I think I got to tell you, there's much, much more ahead for Mr. Casper and for Thermo Fisher, TMO. Man, money's back at the And then the lightning rounds over. Are you ready? Steve, Dad, the lightning round. Let's start with Jim in North Carolina. Jim. Hey, booyah, Jim. Booyah. Hey, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Love your show. You do a great job. Thanks hey. for all your advice. All right. Yeah, yeah hey, I, I wanted. Yeah, I wanted to uh, find out your opinion. The stocks were up, we've been up the last two days, 14%. Wanted to know your opinion for the next two or three years on FSR Fisker. Fisker, okay. I'm glad you gave me two to three year time frame because remember, there's nothing really going to be out in the market there until 2022. And this, in the interim, I have to tell you, I think that is a beautiful car. It looks like they've converted the company. I say it's a decent spec. Yes, I'm giving him that after interviewing Mr. Fisker twice. I think it's a decent spec. Thank you, Bill McDermott from ServiceNow, which is a great stock for pointing me in the right direction. John in Florida. John. Hi, Jim Booyah, and thanks for taking my call. Oh, of course. Thank you. Okay, the stock I want your opinion on today 
has a unique way of fighting cancer. They are in multiple trials right now in various cancers and have just teamed up with Merck on lung cancer, which I think is a huge positive. The stock backed off yesterday because of a private placement. And Jim, if you could even get the CEO on for an update with this um, company, I think it would be a great interview. Uh, is this a good time to add to my position in Novacure, NVCR? Okay, remember that Novacure, uh, Bill Doyle comes on. He's the chairman. Uh, the stock has come down. I am a total believer in the technology. I think it is a fantastic, look, anything that, that can even extend the life of people who have cancer. I think it is a decent level to be able to buy, so I'm going to endorse it there. I need to go to Michael in Florida. Michael. Jim. Hey, thank you for your guidance during these times. Oh, you uh, We really appreciate it. Uh, my stock is a drug stock that uh, had a big drop on Friday. Uh, it used to be called Seattle Genetics. It's now CGen. Yeah, we got to talk to uh, Clay. We got to talk to Dr. Seagal because, boy, I did not like one bit what he said. I said, action alert game. We sold a lot of 200. We feel really good. Merck paid, paid 200, uh, 200 for a very big billion-dollar stake. That said, I did not like his notion in the comp school. He says, look. People are not getting their cancer treatment because they don't want to go to the hospital. I, that, I, that sounded fatuous. So, uh, Clay, please come back so we can find out what's really going on with your great company. I need to go to Ben in New York. Ben. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Holy cow, man. Chill. Hey, Chill was <laughs> on the attack this afternoon. I don't know what got into him. What's happening? Thank you for your show. Thank you for everything you do. It's very, very important during these times to have something to look forward to. So the stock I'm calling about is RUN Sunrun. They had a merger that went through. Then once it went through, it dropped down 40%. What happened? Well, I mean, look, all the this, this solar stocks are really, uh, yeah, I know, but they went the long arm. The, the, I'll tell you, the long knives were out with that one, which is why I always default to FSLR. First solar, which had a magnificent quarter. Remember, there's also a lot of people in a, in a, in a Trump environment. It's not necessarily going to be a home run, okay? Let's go to Mark in Florida. Mark. Hi, Jim. Thanks uh, for all your advice over the years. I'm hoping you'll share some of your great insight with me. Um, I thought that with the spike in COVID that fewer people would be returning to their offices and instead be working from home and that this would be a big positive for big lots. The analysts I've read seem to be positive and it has a $61 price target. But over the past week, it's been underperforming the market, though it's been up well, today. A lot of what? these are. Um, my friend who runs, uh, John Duskin runs, Misselum, who's got like a million shares. He's the guy who turned me on to Bed Bath uh, and told me in the single digits that it was a buy. He, he tells me to hold, to hold tight with big lots. I'm not a big fan, but at least there's definitely some great adherence. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Now the election's almost over. Let's go over the five biggest misconceptions this campaign season, at least when it comes to the stock market. First misconception, the Democrats, if they take Congress in the White House, they'll slash the defense budget. Granted, there are lots of Democrats who would love to do that, but they don't work in Washington. In truth, Democratic politicians love spending money on defense, especially the high-tech stuff. L3 Harris is a pure play with a stock that's been a real talk. Oh, man. I like it. Good management, good book of business. You might want to consider Raytheon. We had them on last week. Has a $70 billion defense business backlog. Oh, but they also have a ton of aerospace exposure. Right now, that's a disaster. 
I think that could turn around next year, though. Lockheed Martin, LMT, General Dynamics, they both miss their numbers. They're both worth considering here because they are just incredibly cheap. Jim Takelet, formerly the high, highly successful CEO of Merkin Tower, now runs Lockheed. And I bet he think, I bet he turns things around. They've got a lot of competition in the space world. But second myth, if there are blue blue wave to be had. Well, we're going to see big changes in health care that will hurt the managed care companies and bring down drug prices. Oh, please. We heard that before. We heard it with Bill Clinton, who ended up doing next to nothing. We heard about it with Barack Obama, who passed a sweeping health care bill that was a huge giveaway to the managed care companies, a giveaway, and to the pharmaceutical industry. They, they did great. So if Biden wins, don't now think this. Buy the healthcare stocks the anticipated dip. That's right. Buy them. Don't buy, sell buy, them. Buy, buy, buy. Hey, how about I'm a big fan of Centene, Michael Nidoff, right? Bristol Myers just got a, a very good news about a new drug. Almost all the managed care and drug stocks will get punished, and then they'll bounce back. Third myth, Biden will be bad for the oil business. Not so fast. Biden will be bad for drilling. But that's actually good for the oil business because there's a huge supply glut right now. Making it harder to drill will drive up prices and help the producers. That means you'll pay more at the pump. But you can offset that by buying, say, Pioneer Natural Resources. Or if you need some income, Chevron. Think about it like this. We've had four years of drill baby drill under Trump and oil's at 38 bucks a barrel. Good if you drive an SUV, bad if you own the oil stocks. Fourth myth, the banks will do worse under Biden than they have under Trump. They know nothing! Again, there are many Democrats who would love to crush the banks, but Biden's not one of them, frankly. The, stat, the status quo isn't exactly great for the financials. They can't raise their dividends. They can't buy back stock. I think there's a lot of things that they can do under a Biden administration they can't do under Trump. Look, Wall Street generally prefers Republicans over Democrats, but they heavily favored Biden this time around. They don't like surprises. They don't like uncertainty. Trump wants to keep you on the edge of your seat. Biden is boring. The banks love boring. Remember, Biden was vice president for eight years, and the Obama administration didn't send a single banker to prison after the financial crisis. If he wins, I'd actually double down on the stock that my own for the Chattel Trust, Goldman Sachs, or on a very inexpensive Morgan Stanley. Final myth, that the Democrats want to break up big tech. Man, I wish. After that incredible quarter from Alphabet, where they broke out all these different divisions, I realized that a breakup would be huge for shareholders. These businesses would be worth more as independent companies. Same goes for Amazon, probably. However, in the end, the Democrats won't break up anything. So let's knock it off. Even if they bring an antitrust case against big tech, I doubt, I doubt they can find a judge to play along. Why do these misconceptions continue to exist? We want to believe that everything is on the line in election year, but some things simply aren't on the ballot. At the end of the day, big business mostly gets what it needs, regardless of who's in the White House. Like it or not, America is a capitalist country. One election is not going to change that, especially when both candidates like capitalism just fine. Don't go anywhere. I'm joining Shepard Smith and the rest of the amazing CNBC bench, Carl Quintanilla, Melissa Lee, Scotty Wadner, and more for nonstop election coverage in the way we do best. Your money, your vote on CNBC tonight. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise I'll try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.